Welcome to another episode of Thrive. Uh, today we're talking about how to disqualify agency prospects, which is a very, very interesting and important conversation because a lot of times we focus on qualifying those prospects, but today we're going to focus on disqualifying them. And today I am joined by Dave Fisher, who owns a sales training group called Chartwell 17. And um, they really use the, the Sandler training methodology um, at that advisory group. So um, I was actually introduced to Dave a while ago from someone who I went through a nonprofit consulting um, uh, institute with. And we had a great conversation and I thought it would be great for agency leaders to really understand how to disqualify prospects for their agencies. So Dave, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'm really excited to have a great conversation today. Same here, Kelly. Thanks for having me on. So um, in the agency world, as you know, most leaders are what you might call accidental salespeople. Um, so can you set the foundation for us today as to how that actually translates into this idea that we have to qualify, 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 and we sort of forget about disqualification? Sure, absolutely. And uh, many of the clients that I work with are exactly what you just touched on, the, the accidental salesperson. They need to generate new business. They need to generate clients. They don't view themselves as somebody in that role. If you mention the ugly word sales, it's something they don't want to be associated with and with very good reason. And I think what winds up happening is that people take on this mindset of, well, if I provide a lot of goodwill to people, if I provide them a lot of information, if I give them a lot of good reasons as to why they should consider enlisting my firm or my services, you know, that should be an effective way to bring on business. And as we know, it, it doesn't always work. Right. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is that sometimes they lose sight of the fact that Essentially, when you are looking to bring on a new client, it should be a mutual process, meaning is this person going to be a good fit for our agency? Sometimes people just look at it as we need to bring on clients. And as you know, if you bring on somebody that is not a good fit in the buying process, um, it's I don't think I've ever seen a situation where somebody that's really difficult in the buying process suddenly becomes <laughs> an, an angel <laughs> yeah, when, they're, when they're paying you money. Yeah. So I think it's also important to have a little bit of a skeptical eye, so to speak, a skeptical ear is to ask yourself, you know, will this be the right fit for our agency? Should we decide to move forward with this person or right. this opportunity? Right. And is that what you're talking about when you talk about having a disqualifying mindset versus a opportunity everywhere mindset? Absolutely. I think when you have an opportunity everywhere mindset, the question you won't ask yourself is what could go wrong or what would actually prevent this from being an ideal opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of the agency leaders that I work with um, who are primarily responsible for bringing in or closing new business they get really excited at every new opportunity, which, you know, I appreciate. I've been in that boat before, um, but they really don't. Many of the agency owners that I work with don't have that disqualifying mindset. They don't look for what are the potential risks with this with this organization? Does it fit within our positioning? Is it a good match you know, for where we want to take this organization long term? They don't think about things like that. So, I mean, I, I very similar to you, I kind of help them, but 
this is the main focus of what you do. So I, it really resonates with me. Um, let's talk about a, a little bit how we sort of transition that mindset into the benefits to the agency leaders, creating fewer proposals, increasing their closing rate, things like that. Talk a, talk a little bit about that for me. Sure. Um, and, and one thing I wanted to just touch on, you mentioned mindset. I think another thing to keep in, in, in mind, which probably the hardest thing to do, is going into these opportunities emotionally detached from the outcome. That's a good point. Yep. If you are emotionally attached, if there's a competitive side of you that kicks in and a person says, Kelly, tell me why I should hire your firm, I think that right there for the emotionally involved person will lead to a whole listing of reasons, whereas the person who's thinking about this a little bit more skeptically may take a step back and say, well, I'm not really sure at this point if you should. So, so just wanted to touch on that, that first piece is emotional detachment, I think, is, is really key. It's going to allow you to really think through this notion of qualification much, much more thoroughly. Yeah. Now, to touch on some of the, the things that, again, having this mindset, um, less proposals, absolutely. Higher close rate, definitely. I think another thing that you'll see in this process is less negotiating at the end. Um, you know, one of the things that people in my experiences don't really qualify on or they don't have the discussion around are the financial and time investments required to make the solution work. Yeah. It's not discussed until the end when the person is seeing the pricing for the first time. Right. And that leads to a back and forth. Let's negotiate. And again, if I'm emotionally invested and I want this to happen, well, then what I might start doing is conceding. And in that case, I'm giving up profit margins. So I think another thing you'll see is the ability to retain some more profit margin as a result of bringing on the right client. Yeah, you're, you're definitely speaking my love language. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about um, some red flags. I mean, you mentioned before, uh, I think that's a great example If somebody says, why should we choose your firm? That, that's like a pretty loaded question. Um, and it just, uh, it doesn't help the situation. You know, it, it kind of shows you what the prospective client's true colors are in a way. Um, so is there, you know, this is a, maybe a bit of a general question, but is there like a prospect filtering protocol or some, some red flag uh, scenarios that you can sort of walk us through as to what those things might be for the business development people at agencies? Sure. Three, three come to mind immediately. Um, I think the first, I might. <laughs> first one is if the person is unwilling to engage with you outside of email. Hmm. So like I see a lot of times someone will reach out to an agency. We're really interested. Why don't you send us over a couple of ideas? And then there'll be this back and forth on email. And what I'll always advise clients is get off email, get the person on the phone, in a perfect world, get in front of them face to face. Yeah. And if the person is unwilling to get on the phone with you or meet with you, then that right there is a red flag. Yeah, and that's pretty low on the, on the list, I would imagine. I mean, that's yep. a pretty 101. Yeah. yeah. So I'd say the second thing would be if somebody is really pressing you, Kelly, tell me the reasons why. Tell me why I should hire you. Tell me how you would fix this issue. 
And if they are unwilling to engage in a dialogue where you are essentially taking a step back saying, well, before I can actually start giving you some solutions, I first need to understand what's going on in your world. If the person is unwilling to have that discussion with you and answer questions, I'd say that's another red flag. Yep. Um, anything else? And then I'd say probably the biggest one would be if they're really leading the discussion right away with things about fees, right? So if the off the bat, Kelly, I was curious to know what you charge for X. I'd, I'd like to know your fees. And again, part of the training that we provide our clients is how do we tactfully deflect those questions, letting people know that we will eventually answer them. However, mm -hmm. for us to answer them, we need to have some more information. If the immediate response to that is, yeah, but just give me a price. Again, I would start to think of that as a, a bit of a red flag. Yeah, for sure. And I recently wrote a blog post on a prospect filtering protocol, which has, you know, these like a checklist and some red flags. So um, I'll put a note to that or a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, there was something that the last time we spoke, you talked uh, a little bit about some things that might be overlooked in terms of a macro versus a micro view of disqualification. And um, I think that the people who are listening and watching would really get a lot of value out of that. So can you kind of we'll pivot a little bit and go into um, some of that? Sure. So if we look at macro, we can look at it from if there's really three things that have to basically align for if I am the person that is looking to bring on a client for me to have good confidence to say that at the time I deliver a solution that this person will provide me with a yes or no. And I think that's ultimately the goal, right? What you want to avoid is the person going into the prospective clients version of the witness protection program or the um, perennial let me think it over. Right. So if we look at those things, we would say the first thing to really get a good understanding of is, you know, what are the personal compelling and and if you can get their ideal emotional reasons why somebody would want to make a change. Ultimately, what we are selling is change. People are in comfort zones. And really, there needs to be something personal and compelling and emotional to get them to make that change. Mm -hmm. And so within that, uh, we, we, we use a terminology in Sandler called pain, you know, figuring out what is the pain that the client is, is looking to solve. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so that's the first thing. And if there really isn't any pain, if you're not hearing anything compelling, then I think it's incumbent upon you to start thinking that perhaps this might not be a good opportunity. We say no pain, no sale. Right. So from there, the second thing would be to have a, a, again, mutual alignment around investment. And by investment, I mean, what are the things that the client is willing and able to invest in the solution? We oftentimes quickly go to things like fees and budget. However, I think another thing that gets overlooked is really qualifying the person on, are they willing to invest the time on their end mm -hmm. that would be necessary for the solution? Yeah. 
And so if you get red flags there, another opportunity to think about disqualification. Yeah. And then, so, so if we look at that, again, first step would be pain, second step would be investment. The third thing would be really understanding their decision-making process. And I think this is the part where people get held up. They might have a really good conversation around pain, what we're trying to solve for. There's some alignment around investment. And then the person says, great, why don't you put together a proposal? And then you send it and suddenly you find out after the fact that they need to go and sell this internally or they need to formulate a committee or whatever the case may be. So it's that third piece of what is their decision making process, mm -hmm. meaning uh, when are they looking to implement a solution, whether it's with you or somebody like you, who besides themselves will be involved in the decision? How do you as the business development um, colleague or professional, how do you get them involved in a discussion? Right. If they happen to be vetting you plus a couple of other competitors, what is the process that they have in place to evaluate you and your competitors? Will it just be on price, price alone? And I think the other thing would be is really understanding, have they made this buying decision before? And oftentimes when people have not, they then decide to hijack the process and they use their non-decision-making process, right, to yeah. buy something that they've never bought before. And I find that that's a place for the, the business development professional to move into a consulting role and to say something like, Kelly, sounds like you haven't done something like this before. Would it be okay if I walked you through the steps that our clients have gone through so that they're in a position to make the best decision possible? Yeah. Um, you said a lot of good things in that, you know, little encapsulated vignette there. Um, I wanted to back up for a second and talk about the understanding the decision making process on the client's end, because, you know, one of the things is if you're really asking the right questions, yes, you're talking about investment of time and investment from a financial standpoint. Um, you're talking about all the things that you covered, but if you don't understand who the actual decision maker is, um, and you don't understand that it's your job as the business development person to help the contact that you're working with to sell it internally, that's a really, really big issue. Um, the other thing that you mentioned was obviously you're not, you know, if you send a proposal, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of never sending a proposal ever, ever, ever. Um, so if I can't get in front of you to walk you through it, then I'm certainly going to do a, a screen share to walk through it. Um, and that's even more important if you're not the decision maker, because now I have to basically train you or walk you through it so that you're so comfortable that you can then in turn, you know, sell it internally if I'm not able to be in that room. So there's just so much nuance to this stuff. Um, but all, all the things that you covered are, are super important. And I think that those three or four things, those are, I mean, that's really what it is. That's the game changer for sales, in my opinion. <laughs> Agreed. And I love I love that you are advising. Do not send a proposal. Once you send the proposal, you lose leverage. Yep. And so I love that notion. And if we were to add in another right, that right there is another red flag. If the person is unwilling to get on the phone with you to review the proposal and they're just pressuring you to send it. Again, I think that you have the ability at that point to make the decision to not send it. Yeah. I actually, in many cases, I'll advise my agency clients that if that actually happens where the client is or the prospect is asking them, you know, really, really demanding, hey, just send the proposal. We're not going to meet in person. We're not going to walk through it. We're asking this of five other agencies. Um, 
I tell them to actually push back and say, if you, if we can't sit down together and have a conversation so that you understand the value of what I've just spent time putting together on your behalf, it's not a good fit and we're probably not the right agency for you. That's, I'm very strong about that because I think it goes into the abyss and then you're stuck in that waiting pattern that you're talking about before. Love it. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, are there some, uh, questioning techniques uh, that you think that business development folks can kind of add to their arsenal, whether it be from the offensive position or the defensive position? Sure. I think the first one that comes to mind is the open-ended versus closed. Another way to think about this is asking the verb-led questions versus who and what questions. Mm. And, and how questions, yeah. um, for example, right? Uh, let's say we're we're in more of a client servicing role to illustrate the point. If I were, if you were my client, and I were to say, Kelly, is there anything that our agency can be doing better? Usually, what happens is the person says, No, nothing that comes to mind. Okay. Or if I say, Kelly, is there anybody in your network? that um, would benefit from our services, to which you would say, well, nobody that comes to mind, but if I can think of somebody, I'll, I'll let you know. Right. So we can flip those questions into what and who questions. So getting back to the client servicing, Kelly, what is one thing that we can be doing better for you? will elicit much, much more of a productive response. Right. Kelly, who within your network has some of the issues that you and I, when we first got together, right? Who are, who are having some of those issues right now that would benefit from a conversation from us? So those are examples of, of using these more open-ended questions. And I also think that if you are going to, um, you know, if your goal is to get information and you, you lead with a lot of these closed-ended questions, is, does, could, should, would, well, you on the receiving end of it will probably shut me down after that third closed-ended question because it will feel like an interrogation. Yeah, absolutely. I could see that. Um, <clears throat> I think the other thing to, um, to think about from a, from a questioning strategy standpoint is not asking obvious what I call leading questions, <laughs> right? You just make Ke people feel stupid. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kelly, you're unhappy with your current agency, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's why you're sitting here. <laughs> like if, if, if I start to feel like you're asking me questions that's going to get me into a gotcha yeah. moment, yeah. Then, then my immediate thing will be to shut down. Yep. So that's why adding language like, for example, if I was looking to find out when you're looking to make a decision, I might say whether you are looking to move forward with us or an agency like ours, when would you like to have this project in place? When would you like to have this solution in place? Right. It sounds less like it's a, for lack of a better term, a, a move, right? Mm -hmm. A closing move, like you think of the, so what do I have to do to get you into this automobile this afternoon? <laughs> right. And I think that buyers, they, when, you, when they start to hear some of these questions that make them feel like they're being pushed into a close, they shut down. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. I mean, these are like super actionable takeaways. So I know the audience is going to love it. Um, Dave, thank you so much. I mean, this is really, really good information and uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Great to be on. Thanks again for having me, Kelly.
This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.